in the movie, uh, speaking of great things, uh, in the movie The Princess Bride, uh, there's a great uh, quote uh, where this guy keeps saying this word, he keeps saying the word inconceivable, and then uh, he replies this great comment. He says, you keep saying that word, and I don't think it means what you think it means. Uh, And that happens a lot uh, where we use different phrases, we use different words, and we have an idea of what it means, but maybe we're actually using it wrong. And when it comes to the name of a city, uh, a lyric, and a song, that's really not a big deal. Uh, But in church world, uh, for those of us that are working to try to find a way to love Jesus, love each other, and love the world, there's different phrases, there's different words that we we hear in sermons, uh, we read in the Bible, we might sing in a song, uh, and there's at least some of them that I think maybe we've misunderstood uh, or we need them redefined for us, like we talked about last week. In some ways, we might need to like deconstruct what we've heard so that we can reconstruct what it was actually supposed to mean from the beginning. Uh, and so today, we are going to talk about the idea of heaven. Uh, and what does heaven mean? Uh, and when we figured out Heaven's obviously a pretty big deal. And so when you think about the idea of heaven, here's a couple things that we want to make sure that we affirm that heaven, we think, I think, is the goal of Christianity. That's like what we're trying, that, that's the whole point. And heaven is the story of the Bible. Uh, according, uh, we put an email out, uh, you might have seen some resources that we are encouraging you to check out, and there's a, a Bible project video, and at the beginning, this is what they make this huge claim, that the, the whole story of the Bible is about heaven, which is kind of crazy, uh, and that heaven is why Jesus came. I think all of those things are true. But then here's some other things that you might have heard before as well. And so uh, heaven is a place. So heaven is like a place you can go. It's like going to Chicago, which is like negative 15 this week. I don't know why you'd want to go there, but heaven is like a place you can go. That heaven is something that happens after you die. Uh, Here's one of the things that I was told when I was a kid, that heaven is an eternal church service. It's like a church service that never ends. Uh, And that heaven is clouds and harps and mansions. And what we want to say is that all those things are not true, or at least not completely true, that they are at best maybe like half or like partial truths. And so we want to encourage you to kind of like deconstruct some of those things. That on the one hand, heaven is incredibly important. Heaven is the point, but heaven is not a place that we will go. Heaven is not something that's just after we die. Heaven is not clouds. That what heaven is is something much different, and heaven is something that is much better. And so here's the uh, definition that we're going to work with today. So heaven is something that is happening right now. So it's not a place you will go. It's not something that will just happen after you die. But heaven is like, it's, it's like a realm. It's like a reality that is happening right now around us. And you can experience it. You, right now, you can experience heaven. And you are invited to join into it. And you are invited to join into it in such a way that it will never end. It will go on forever and ever and ever. Uh, and as we talk about this, uh, these three words are used throughout, especially the New Testament, uh, fairly interchangeably, and they all are kind of going on the same concept of what we're talking about today, and that is heaven, the kingdom of God, eternal life. That when you see those, what are those talking about? That heaven, the kingdom of God, eternal life, is something that's happening right now, and we are invited to join it forever. 
Uh, this goes back uh, to what we talked about uh, last uh, fall, if you were with us. Uh, all last fall, we were looking at the first couple pages of the Bible. We were looking at Genesis 1, 2, and 3. And what we said is that in Genesis 1 and 2, it talked about God's original plan for how he wanted creation to be. And that plan was heaven. That plan was eternal life. That plan was the kingdom of God, that the way that God created the world to be was what he always wanted it to be, and that can be defined as heaven. And here's the way that we talked about that last, uh, last fall, is we said that this was God's original plan, was it was this world that was very good, but that it was going to get better and better. It was going to be this partnership where we are made in the image of God, and we are about making the world into a better place. We are about delighting with God, and that we are doing it in partnership with other people. Uh, a way that I heard it described this past week is that the kind of the, God's big idea is that you are a part of the best team project ever. So you're part of this group of people that are doing this most amazing project you can ever imagine. Like, man, this is going to be so exciting if we can figure this out. It's being led by the most amazing leader ever. And not only are you working together, but like you're having so much fun while you're doing it all together. That that's the idea. Uh, or here's uh, another description of the idea of flourishing. This is from uh, Richard Foster. It says, it's the life that we have been created to live is the dynamic, pulsating, with God life. Uh, and that's a very quick overview, but that's the idea, is that what God originally created was what he always wanted it to be. He created us to live in this kind of dynamic, real, exciting way. And then obviously, something along the way went seriously wrong because we wouldn't describe most of the way in which we are, the world is going as, oh, this must be heaven, this must be eternal life. Uh, and we talked about, and we're going to talk about more in the next couple of weeks, that the reason for that is because God loves us enough that he gave us a choice. God was never going to force us into his plan. And so we had the choice, and we looked at God's plan and thought, you know what, I'm going to go a different way. Uh, God wants me to be content. God wants me to be selfless. God wants me to just be a... And you know what? I, I think I'm going to choose a different way. I kind of like... I think that maybe being greedy, I think maybe being selfish, uh, I think that going my own way might actually make me happier than what God is telling me to do. And over the last... However many years this earth's been around, we've been living in the consequences of what happens when we look at God's way of flourishing and we say, you know what, I'm going to choose a different way. Uh, but then what we said, kind of the point of today, is that ever since then, uh, the story of the Bible is about how God was going to try to get us back to God's original plan that God had this original plan of what the world was always supposed to be, of what eternal life, what the kingdom of God, of what heaven was supposed to be, and what this whole thing is about, what Christianity is about. Uh, the whole reason that Jesus came is to help us get back to God's original plan, not somewhere else, but right here. Uh, again, what heaven is, is it's a reality. It's a realm that's happening right now, and we are invited to join forever. Uh, here's a couple more kind of quotes to kind of get our minds around this, and then we're going to um, dissect this a little bit. Um, uh, this is from Jesus. Uh, once on being asked by the Pharisees, when 
the kingdom of God would come. And so even like in the Jewish world of Jesus, it wasn't ever this idea that like someday we're going to be like transplanted, beamed up somewhere else to where God's plan is going to be. It was always, when is God's kingdom going to come here? When are we going to get back to God's original plan? And this is what Jesus said. Jesus replied, the coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed nor will people say, oh, here it is, or there it is, because the kingdom of God is already in your midst. So well, when's the kingdom of God going to come? And Jesus says, well, it's, it's already here. It's already in your midst. Uh, or in uh, Jesus' uh, most famous prayer that he uh, taught us how to pray. This is what Jesus said. He said, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven. And so in, in his God is already in heaven, and we believe that Jesus was God. So God, on earth, as he's teaching them this, is in heaven. So it's not that God's sitting up in the clouds somewhere, in Jesus, but that God is currently, was, was present reality, was in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. The idea is, how can we make the, the plan of God's reality, how can we make that eternal life heaven, how can we make that happen right now? Uh, two more uh, quotes about this are uh, both verses. Uh, this one's from Richard Foster. So the real issue is not so much getting into heaven as it is getting heaven into us. If heaven is a reality, and it's not a place that we will go, then the biggest question we have is not, how can I figure out what I have to do so that I can go there someday? The biggest question we have to do is, if this reality is happening all around me, how, what do I need to do so that I can start to experience it more fully right now? Uh, or this one's from a guy I like named uh, Shane Claiborne. He says, many ask, is there life after death? And instead we should ask, is there life before death? Uh, is it that maybe the world is hard and life is hard and like someday I'm going to die and then I'm going to go to a really great place? And is that true? Do I get to go to a really great place? And that's, that's a good question. But he says another question, a better question, is, is it possible that while you are on earth right now, can you experience life? Is it just the kind of world in which we live in or is there a different better supernatural reality that we can choose to live in right now. Uh, and I believe that there is. Uh, and there's a lot more that could be said about this idea of heaven. And like I said, on, your, um, uh, on the back of your program, there's a handful of different resources. In the email this week, we gave some resources. So you can read way more about this. A couple that I want to point to your mind. Uh, if you haven't read this book, uh, it's called How Do I Know If I'm Really Saved? Uh, this has been our connections table for a while now. Some of you have it at home, and maybe you haven't read it yet. Uh, some of you have it in your sound bag, and you haven't read it yet. Um, I, I want to encourage you uh, to read this book, a great little book. This is actually a shortened version of this larger book called Eternity is Now in Session, and so you can check that out, and it talks a lot more about this idea of heaven not being a place that we go someday after we die, but a present reality. 
and then uh, we pointed you towards a video through a group called The Bible Project. Um, I apologize, I would have made this known earlier, but I didn't know this existed until just a few days ago. I was listening to a Bible Project podcast, and they put together this whole 12-week uh, study. So if anyone's looking for like, a personal study with their family or something with their small group, then this could be a great little thing, talking about the idea of uh, when heaven meets earth. But what I want to spend most of our time doing today is talking about the importance of that distinction. Because like, okay, that's fine. So, so heaven's a place, heaven's like right here. Why does that really matter? And I think it makes a huge amount of difference. Uh, the idea behind this series uh, that we're in right now, we're going to be going all the way to Easter, is this idea that what we believe matters. Uh, what we've been saying is that our orthodoxy, what we believe, affects our orthopraxy. And so based off of what I believe, that's going to show how I actually act. And so if you believe that heaven is a place that you will go someday when you die, and that's kind of the whole point, then that's going to affect the way in which you live your life right now. And if you believe that heaven is a realm of reality that you can enter into right now, then that's going to affect the way in which you live your life. And I have an agenda. I want it to affect the way it lives, the way in which you live your life. Uh, and so we're going to talk about three different areas that I think this distinction matters and will affect your life. And so the three ways is that uh, based off of what you believe about heaven, it affects how we uh, read and how we understand the Bible based off of, if you're reading this through a lens, that this thing is all about a book, this thing is all about instructions to tell me how I can go to heaven when I die someday, that's going to, it's going to be a pretty big lens in which you read this. Or if you're reading this through a lens of this is a reality I can experience right now, that's going to matter a lot. It, um, the mission of our church and how we live our lives. Uh, so spend the largest time talking about the lens that we view the Bible through and whether we view it as after we die or reality, why it matters so much. Uh, so uh, John uh, 15, uh, we talked about this a handful of uh, weeks ago, if you were here, a uh, great verse about uh, how Jesus wants us to abide in him, how he wants us to be attached to the vine. Um, years and years ago, so I think it was when I was a kid, maybe like four or five, something like that. Um, my dad is a, a preacher, as some of you guys know. He actually recently retired back in October, so hooray for my dad, although I think he's preaching at three different churches this week, so he's not very good at retirement, uh, but he's a fantastic communicator, really good preacher, and my dad did his um, master's thesis work on kind of the art of preaching and communication. And so one of the things that he did when he was working on his thesis is he would go around to different churches and he would preach sermons. And then after the sermon, he would give them uh, everybody a survey to see what they got out of it, which is an incredibly scary thing to do as a preacher. Uh, and for the most part, a lot of people got the message of it. But there's something we joke about in our family to this day, that there was a reoccurring cycle that kind of no matter what my dad would preach on, he would get very similar responses. Uh, and my dad sent me some of the different survey responses. He still has them in a file folder because that's the kind of guy he is. Uh, and so he sent me a couple of them this week, and, and one of them was on a sermon, John 15. So my dad is preaching on this sermon, John 15. Uh, and here's, it says, remain as me as I remain also in you. Uh, next slide. So here's some of the ideas in John 15. 
Uh, it talks about that I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Uh, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Uh, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and so that your joy may be complete. This is my command. You love each other. Just all these kind of great things. Nowhere in John 15 does it actually use the word heaven, uh, and it doesn't use the word hell. Uh, there's a brief little uh, couple verses about some branches that are going to be burned, but I, really no one thinks that that's talking about hell. Uh, but it's this idea of, it's talking about this idea. This is what this verse is talking about. It's not necessarily talking about heaven and hell, but as we said, the whole story of the Bible is about heaven, and so it applies. So my dad preached this whole sermon. I don't know exactly. I don't have the recording of the sermon. But my dad preached this, passed out the surveys, and then here's what the survey question said. Describe what the preacher said will happen if people adopt the proposed solution. So if people do what John 15 is about, if they abide in him, love other people, follow his commands, what, what's the What's, what's going to happen? And this is how this respondent said, people are going to go to heaven. That's what's, that's what's going to happen if people do this, okay? Uh, and then, next question. Describe what the preacher said will happen if people do not adopt this proposed solution. If you do not uh, get in the vine, if you do not love other people, you're going to go to hell. Obviously, that's what that is about. Uh, and then, uh, next uh, question. Describe what you feel the preacher is asking you to do. Uh, and here's how this respondent, uh, he or she answered. Don't just sit around. Get up and spread the gospel. Uh, and we're going to talk about gospel in a couple weeks. Um, but I'm guessing this person would uh, describe gospel as telling people how they can go to heaven and hell. Uh, so go to the next slide. So as you look at all of these different commands, that person, I, I have no idea who that person was. Here's what I would say about their vision of John 15, of how they were interpreting it, is they were both right and they were wrong at the same time. Uh, they were right because I think that, that those passages and all passages are about going to heaven and going to hell and spreading the gospel to some extent. But they were wrong because of how they were defining what heaven and hell is. Uh, and again, I don't know them specifically, so this is a little bit of just like my like uh, judgment on uh, their view. But this is a lot of kind of the Christian view. Is what I would assume is that they were looking at those verses and saying, "Okay, I am the vine; you are the branches. If you remain in me, I in you, you will bear much fruit." And so they're that lens of, "Okay, so what is that about? I have to be with Jesus." so that I can go to heaven someday. And so, so then it starts to raise all these questions of like, what, how much do I need to remain in him? And is that fruit going to be like fruit I'm going to have? Like, what does that look like? If I keep my commands, then you will remain in my love. Okay, so, so I, I have to keep my commands, which means remain. So I guess that means that I'm going to get to be in heaven. I'm going to get to remain in heaven someday. And so how much do I need to keep his commands, so that I can get to heaven someday. And you start to read all of Scripture. If you read it through the lens that heaven is a place you will go someday, 
then it's easy to start to read all of Scripture through this lens of these are things that I need to figure out what I'm supposed to do or not do, how much do I need to do, how much do I need to believe, so that I can do enough to get to the good place someday. And that's not what I think this is about. But if you read this through the lens of that this is a reality of life that you can live in right now, that later on today as you're hanging out with your kids, that tomorrow when you're at work someday, that you have an ability to stay in the vine. And tomorrow when you're at work, you can remain in Christ. And if you do, in that moment, you can bear much fruit. If you read this through the lens that heaven is something that can happen right now, then if you keep his commands, you can remain in his love all day long, wherever you go. Whatever, it's a possibility that you can walk through your life. That I have told you that your joy may be complete. That you can have a way in which you can live in joy all day. And it just changes so much of how we read the lens. Uh, next one. Uh, this is uh, John uh, 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Uh, if we read this through the lens that heaven is somewhere we will go someday, then it's that same idea. We figure out, okay, that, why did God send his son? Uh, well, why did God send Jesus down to earth? Well, it's so that we can believe in him, so that we can, I guess, go to heaven someday? Which then raises the question, well, how much do I need to believe? What, what, what exactly, you know, if I believe this much, then do I get to go? And you sort of like, ask a lot of the wrong questions. But if you read this through the lens that heaven is something that can happen right now, and then the question is, how can I live in eternal life right now? How can I trust in God with everything that I am right now? It changes the whole scope. Uh, And so my goal, my agenda, God's agenda, I think, is that as we read through the Bible, we read it through the proper lens so that we can better experience what eternal life is all about. Um, next thing uh, that uh, this changes is this changes uh, our mission as a church. Uh, if we as a church, as a group of people, uh, if our main mission is we as a group of people, I want to do, we as a group of leaders, we want to do whatever we can to make sure that when you die, you get to heaven. And so therefore, we're going to structure our Sunday morning services. We're going to structure our small groups. We're going to structure what we talk about. We're going to make sure we structure as much as we can to make sure that when you die, you can go to heaven. And that's going to very much change how we do church. But if we decide that our mission as a church is we want every single one of you to experience heaven right here and right now. That we want you to, tomorrow when you're at work, to experience as much as you can the real, honest kingdom of God. If that's our goal, then that's going to change, right, the way in which we do church, the way in which we do ministry. Uh, And then as we think about outside, 
pick on them because we don't know them. There's two guys that are walking out the window right there. Hey, two guys. Uh, and I have no idea who those two guys are. There's folks that are living in those apartments over there. There's folks that are living all over the place. Most of the folks in Albany are not in a church right now. Most people are not actively following Jesus. Most of them don't really know much about the Bible. And so if our goal is, man, God loves those people, and if our focus is, how can we figure out how to make sure that as many of those people end up in heaven when they die someday, then that's going to very much dictate how we do programming, how we do outreach events, the way in which we talk to our neighbors. But if we decide that my goals, do I want them to go to heaven when they die someday, those two guys who I don't know their names? Absolutely. But if I decide that not only that, I want them to experience God right now, that I want them to, as they're walking down the street, to have this knowledge that God is with them and that God's presence is with them and that based off of the decisions that they live today, that they can experience more of eternal life or they can experience more of hell on earth. If that's my focus for them, that's going to change the way in which we do things. Uh, And then lastly, uh, it affects how we actually live our lives. Uh, Talked about this before. Many times we divide up our lives into kind of this like sacred and secular divide. And so we have like these things that are like, here's our spiritual things of our life. We go to church. Maybe I spend time reading the Bible. Maybe I go to a community group. Here's like my kind of my, my church things. And then I have the rest of life, kind of my, my secular stuff of I go, I work and I, and I go to a, I hang out with my friends and I chores I got to do around the house. I go to the grocery store. And like, here's the places where I like, I'm intentionally trying to like encounter God. And then here's kind of the rest of life. And if if we really believe that heaven is not just somewhere out there and like we kind of bought into this idea that I just need to do enough good actions, whatever that is, I need to have enough right beliefs so that maybe someday I will get to go to a better place. If we believe that, that's going to affect the way we live. But if we believe that based on I can experience God in every realm of my life right now, and that's going to affect the way we live. Uh, I love this quote by uh, John Ortberg. I said, you're going to do today one way or another. You can do it with God or you can do it without Him. Better to do it with Him. Uh, or uh, this quote, uh, again by Richard Foster, the life that we've been created to live is the dynamic pulsating with God life. And it's true for all of us. You're going to do life. You're going to go out from this place and you're going to go out to lunch and watch football or hang out with friends or try to stay warm. Uh, Tomorrow you're going to be uh, wherever you are at work or school. Uh, You're going to interact with people. You're going to have hard things. You're going to have easy things. One way or another, you're going to live your life, and you have a choice. You can either do it with God, or you can do it without God. You can do it with this knowledge that you are in the presence of God, and that God cares about how you are in that moment, or you can do it without it. You can do it with kind of this dynamic, pulsating with God life, or you can do it without it. Uh, And so 
what exactly uh, does that look like? Uh, this past week, uh, I've been trying to uh, do a kind of a spiritual practice in my life. I've done this a couple times in my life. Uh, and what I did, I just wanted to try to experience what does it look like to, in individual moments, to live the with God life? What does it look like if I really believe that eternal life was possible in this moment? Uh, so uh, on my uh, watch, I set a handful of different uh, alarms. And uh, throughout the day, sporadically, uh, the alarm would go off. Actually, I had one go off like 10 minutes ago while I was up here talking, which is kind of fun. Uh, and so it's just a little thing. And in that moment, it's a reminder to me of, oh, wherever I am, wherever this alarm went off, God's with me in this moment. Right now in this moment, I ha- there's a realm of eternal life of heaven, and I can choose to see it and, and live into it, or I can choose to ignore it. And, and what does that look like? Uh, what I found this week is that it's often very small, but often, I don't know, kind of profound at the same time. Uh, so the first day uh, that I said it, um, uh, one of the second time actually that my alarm went out off that day, uh, I was pulling into the parking lot here at First Lutheran. Uh, there was no other cars in the parking lot, Ashley. And as I was, wa- I was driving into the parking lot, my alarm went off, and it's kind of this moment of like, oh, this is a moment where I can, what does God, what does it look like to live an eternal life right now? Uh, and one of my things that I'm working on uh, for this year is that I just want to have more joy in my life. That was one of the things in uh, John 15, that your joy may be complete. It's kind of seen as I've like, gone into my 40s, in fact, I'm just getting too serious in life. And like, God wants us to like, have fun. Like, there's joy to be had in life. And so my alarm went off. Heaven is here. Eternal life is here. No cars in the parking lot. So I did a couple of donuts in my truck because I just wanted to experience that life of God. Uh, later on uh, that night, uh, we were having dinner, and my alarm went off, and was eating dinner with my family, and just nothing profound, but just this, like, thankful moment of, like, this house, and it's warm, and food, and just re- embracing a little more gratitude than I did before. And it's all these little moments of just, as you go through your normal, ordinary life, you can experience God. Uh, and that's what we encourage you to do. A uh, couple uh, kind of frequently asked questions as we uh, think about this idea of heaven and maybe some things that are uh, in your mind. Uh, so, as you talk about heaven being something you can experience right now, is there still something after we die? And so, if the primary focus of the Bible is about us experiencing eternal life right here and right now, but is there still something after we die? Uh, yes, uh, absolutely. Uh, what exactly does it look like? I don't know. Uh, and it's interesting, as you look through the, the Bible, you start to read it through this kind of lens, there is a whole lot in here that talks about how you live your life right here and right now, because that's the focus of the whole story. There's bits and pieces, so there's like some kind of clues you can get in about like what it looks like after we die, but it's, it's pretty vague. And I think that's on purpose because that is not the goal. This, how you treat other people later on today, the attitude, whether you're going to have a pessimistic attitude or a positive, that is what actually matters. Uh, 
Next uh, question, how much heaven can we actually experience now? Because that's one of the divides is uh, the Bible is pretty clear that someday Jesus is going to come back. God's going to like, fully bring his kingdom. And there's going to be a moment at some point in, in history where all of the kingdom of God in heaven is like this full, big reality. But there's also, we can experience a lot of it right now. And it kind of raises the question, like, how much can we actually experience now? How much of God's original plan of human flourishing is it actually, how much of living in the presence of God can we actually experience right now? Which is a great question. And here's my response. I don't know exactly, but I think it's a lot. Probably depends a little bit on who we are, our upbringing, backgrounds. I think there's a lot of the kingdom of God that we can experience. And most of all, I want to find out. I want to live my life in such a direction. And I want to live my life with a group of people in such a direction that we can experience as much of the kingdom of God as possible right now. And I really do believe that the more that Ashley and I lean into this, the more that the kingdom of God can become a real reality, that heaven and eternal life can become a real reality in our little house. And the more that we live it alongside of our neighbors, and the more that, again, I think that the guy who, looking at John 15, that it was all about heaven and hell and that you need to, like, spread the gospel, uh, I think his interpretation of it was wrong, but I think his, the general idea is absolutely right, that everyone can live into heaven. Everyone can avoid a life that makes life into a living hell, and we need to, like, spread that to as many people as possible. And I think the more people on our street who are living into this reality of heaven on earth right now, I think it could transform our street. I think the more that we as a small little group of people in Albany, the more that we live this way with each other, the way that we develop little communities of people of authenticity, and the more that we can get to know each other and pray for each other, the more that we're serving the world around us, the more that we're leaning into these uh, disciplines of Sabbath and taking time of daily office, I think there's a whole lot, and I really want to know what it looks like. Uh, so with that, uh, I want to end by giving us a little bit of time to just experience uh, some of, I think, the pathway of uh, living into eternal life. Uh, so as we get ready for uh, communion, uh, we're going to uh, participate in a uh, little bit of like a liturgy, confession, reflection uh, together. Uh, and so this is uh, from a guy named uh, Aaron Nyquist. We do a lot of his stuff around here. He's written all kinds of uh, wonderful, great uh, liturgies. You can find them on Spotify. You can find this one on Spotify. Uh, and one of the ones that we've uh, pushed towards the, uh, over the last little bit uh, was there's a great liturgy that you can do, and there's half of it you do as you're going to work, if you go to work or go to school, and there's the other half you do as you're leaving work or going to school. And what it is, is it's just this opportunity to be able to kind of open up your mind and heart to say, God's kingdom, God's eternal life, God's heaven is real, and how can I lean into that as I go into work today, as I go into school today? Just kind of open up your mind and open your heart. That's the one as you're going there. And then on the, on the, way, on the way back, which is the one we're going to listen to right now, it's kind of this acknowledgement of God's kingdom was there today, and in some ways... Maybe I took advantage of it, and I leveraged it, and I really saw it, 
And in other ways, maybe I missed it. And it's good to know both that God's kingdom and eternal life is there, but also that when we miss it and we do miss it, and there's many of our days where we didn't experience all of the life that God had for us on that day, that God still loves us. And that tomorrow, the next moment, God gives us another chance and that we are in the process of constantly living in grace and forgiveness. Uh, so I'm going to start to play this. Uh, this is a prayer. You'll, I'll be able to follow along. And then uh, once we get to the very end of it, we're going to take a communion together. Uh, but let's take some moments and pray and